Another day, another dollar makes you wonder where your money went. You can scream. Hi, folks, this is Jack Spirico with another edition of the Survival Podcast. As always, one man's view of the changing world and the changing times and the things that we can all do to live a better life if times get tough or even if they don't. Today is Tuesday, March 10th, and I believe this is episode 156 or 57. Folks, I just can't keep these numbers straight in my head anymore, but it's somewhere in that ballpark. Anyway, if you've downloaded it or if you're listening to it on the web, then you know what the episode number is anyway. Um, Folks, today's show is going to talk about just kind of a broad spectrum of why we need to introduce more people to the concept of what modern survivalism is and what it is not. A little bit more that we've talked about recently on stigma. I'm going to tell you about a TV show that I watched last night. It was a terrible show. It was an awful show. I hated it. But since it was about survivalism and I knew we were going to get cast in a bad light, I forced myself to watch it. And um, I'll tell you about that in a second. First, I want to do my house cleaning again at the beginning of the show versus the end of the show because I think it works better that way. Uh, number one, Region 5 again. I want to remind everybody that Region 5 is having a get-together around Memorial Day weekend. You can find out more at the Survival Podcast Forum. There will be a link in the show notes from today's show. It is just a bunch of guys and hopefully a few gals getting together, hanging out down around Gulfway, Texas, throwing some lead down range from a couple different weapons, doing some training, eating some barbecue, camping out, and having a good time, and everyone and everybody is welcome. Uh, I do not want to see this one not get pulled off the way that it happened. Poor guys out of Region 3 put so much work into that, and they just didn't have enough attendance. So, folks, if you're anywhere near Texas, get on down. And if you're not near Texas and you want to come on down, please come on down. You'll get to meet me and a bunch of other great members of the uh, forum and the show audience. Uh, number two, I want to remind everybody I am working on this audio project with David Crawford. It is an audio version of Lights Out. Uh, Lights Out is a novel written by David uh, that talks about a post-shit-hit-the-fan environment uh, where what has occurred is a nuclear detonation has been set off in the atmosphere shutting down the power grid. And it shows a slow decay of society after such an event. I found it to be riveting. I found it to be a very realistic view without getting eccentric about the way things would go on and having the right kind of a timeline for how society would break down in that scenario rather than just overnight, the whole world is over. Uh, So I approached David with the concept of doing this project. Uh, The first two chapters are available for a free instant download for a preview. We will be selling the final product. It's something I'll be working on quite a bit while I'm in Arkansas this week. So that's my next piece of house cleaning. Anyway, if you want to get a free preview of the book, if you haven't done so already, you can go to the show website and uh, click on Lights Out Audio and fill out a little form for us. Please answer all the questions. Uh, It will help us do a good job in the final product. 
Uh, anyway, yes, I'm going to Arkansas this week. I'm going to try to record a show this afternoon and a show late this afternoon and put two in reserve. So there's one maybe, let's say, Wednesday and Thursday, or I might set it up so it's Wednesday and Friday. I'll figure that out as I go. But we are leaving very, very early in the darkest hours of Wednesday to head to our homestead up in Arkansas to do some prepping. The video camera is coming along. We're going to shoot tons of video. That will be in the Member Support Brigade uh, members-only area as soon as we can get it up after our return from the trip. Last final thing on the uh, house cleaning, Member Support Brigade, the beta program is closed. You cannot join. A few people have found some sort of link somewhere that I messed up and put out and have joined. It's okay if you join. If you join at this point, there is no more space on the wall. I have not done the final updates to the wall. Everybody's in queue. That'll get done when we get back from Arkansas. And hopefully next week I will open the member support brigade to all comers. Um, A lot of people have asked if you can contribute cash, check, money order by mail. I was not able to do that during the beta. I will allow that. uh, We'll welcome it after we reopen. That's part of why I closed it. The software has to be modified. It was looking for a billing payment uh, method, and if one wasn't there, it was seeing the account as not valid. So people could not get into the uh, protected areas. So I could not do it. So it wasn't that I'm evil and force people to use PayPal. It was the only thing I could do during the beta. We will work something out. We'll have a form to make sure all the data is for you to download, fill out, and mail in with your method of payment. Uh, So Member Support Brigade should be back next week. Uh, And it's a pretty cool little program. It's working out well. And we have a bunch of video program uh, planned for uh, the video side of things in the back side of the uh, members area. So let's get on with today's show. I'm going to start out just telling you this story of this this god-awful TV show. And it's a shame, because I actually, when this show first came out, I found it interesting. And it doesn't really have anything to do with survivalism. It's a crime show. It's called Medium, and it's about this chick named Allison Dubois. She's supposed to be based on a real-life character. I'm sure whatever basis, in fact, the show started out under is long gone now. But she has dreams and sees uh, visions of what has happened in the past or what will happen in the future. And she helps the this district attorney solve crimes. Kind of a cheesy show, but it was at least entertaining in the beginning. I've since lost my interest, but my wife has retained hers. Last night it came on, I was about to go upstairs and watch the TV upstairs and start actually putting together some show notes, and it turned out that the show was about survivalism, at least that's what it looked like. She was having visions of a future where everything had gone wrong, and her husband and her kids were uh, trying to reach her on a shortwave radio, and uh, so I'm like, okay, cool, I'm going to watch this. Well, one thing leads to another, and she determines that they need to be prepared in case there's a disaster. I'm starting to have a little bit of hope, but that 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 my own sixth sense is going, Jack, this is Hollywood. This is a mainstream Hollywood show. You're going to end up looking like the villain in the end of this one, buddy. So I'm watching it, and she goes and she meets this guy that runs a survivalist shop, right? He's got guns, he's got ammo, he's got camping supplies, he's got everything you need. So she buys a bunch of family emergency packs. That's what 
what she buys. Family emergency packs, which are like energy bars in Mountain House, basically. Um, and she buys a whole bunch of them, brings them home, and shoves them in the garage. Of course, their little freaking kids get into them and eat the freaking energy bars and get chocolate all over their face. And they have to show us that like we want to see it. And then she goes back to this guy to talk to him because she keeps having these dreams that look like a future where the apocalypse has come. And she interviews him to find out about how to survive. And she then she makes this naive, stupid, airhead comment. Well, well, my family and me will be okay because we have our emergency packs, right? You know, and you're thinking you might have enough food to last a month there, you beanhead. Maybe a month. But he doesn't even point that out. He just says, you know what? What's going to happen if something really goes wrong? And um, all the people around you that didn't prepare find out that you did prepare and come to take away what you have and rob from you and steal from you, and you don't have a way to defend yourself, you need a gun. And he convinces her she needs a gun. And the problem with this is the guy at this point says all the right things. He points out international terrorism. He points out, you know, it started with the Cold War where people like me started to think this way. And now there's all these threats. And this is just what man can do. And we have the economic problems and blah, blah, blah. But even if you take all that away and we lived in a perfect place, you still have the potential for earthquakes. You have a potential for volcanic eruptions, storms, tornadoes, all these different things that Mother Nature can throw at us, and people need to be prepared. But if you end up in a place where there's no law enforcement, like Hurricane Katrina, then the only person that's going to take care of you is you. You can see where this is going, right, folks? You can see where this guy's going to end up on the other end of an investigation, right? He's going to be crazy. So he says everything right, now we have to make him crazy. So step one to making the survival is crazy. Allison goes home, talks to her old man, and this guy should be smacked in the face. His character, anyway. The actor's probably a decent guy. But the char- this character's a freaking idiot. It's part of why I can't watch the show anymore. Because his wife is always right about this stuff. And he always tells her, don't worry about it. Well, I had a dream that somebody's going to come kill us. But don't worry about it. What a freaking idiot, right? So anyway, he starts saying, so she says, I think we need to buy a gun. And this dolt goes, statistically, uh, you're more likely to kill uh, your family or yourself than ever use it to defend your home. You just want to smack them. You just want to smack this idiot. But no, we're not done yet. Now, she starts having this vision of this girl. And she's down in a bunker with this survival guy. And the end of the world has come. Well, next thing you know, that girl turns up dead with her throat slit. And she realizes, I'm seeing the past, not the future. And what this survival guy had done is he was a nut job. And he had taken this girl down into a bomb shelter, convinced her that the end had come, and was holding her down there for over four years. Well, in a storyline, she gets out. She escapes. She realizes that he's been lying to her because he's completely brainwashed at this point. But she, she, back, his, his bomb shelter's in his backyard. So she walks into his house having no idea there's a house with lights on. How could this be? She goes in there, sees a football game on. He's standing there. She goes, you've been lying to me. He goes, this is true. He cuts her throat. And this has happened a couple weeks ago in the timeline of the story. Well, the investigation going on is there's a family... And the family has been completely killed. They find the remains of the family in a giant industrial sink with tons of acid poured on it. 
So they think the whole family's dead, but the one little girl, 14-year-old little girl, he's taking her to a news shelter. She has a dream. They find him. Now, this guy's supposed to be this genius freaking survivalist. Freaking genius, right? This guy is prepared for anything. He's hiding in a shelter in his own store that they go search and don't find. When they search it, they knock a can of yellow paint over. He's going in and out of the shelter talking to this girl saying, your dad asked me to take care of you, what have you. And he's wearing this nuclear suit, like the whole place is just crazy out there to convince her. And when when an investigation went on, the police spilled a can of paint. Well, he just left it there. Freaking geniuses. They just left it there. In her dream, she sees him come into the bunker and sees a yellow footprint. She goes, he's at the store. They go investigate it. There's footprints leading from the paint right into the secret spot behind the wall. Now, this guy's supposed to be such a freaking genius, but he walks through a puddle of paint, leaves tracks to his secret doorway, and that's how the police catch him. Now, my point is, folks, my point is, this is how the media paints the survival-minded. A gun-nut, murdering nut job that lives in a hole in the ground with a girl that he abducted and convinced the end of the world has occurred. Not going to occur. It has occurred. There's mutant zombies out there. I'll protect you. You stay here with me. We'll repopulate planet Earth. Do you see how dangerous this is? I know it angers you because it angers me. But do you see how dangerous this really is for people that really know in their gut something's wrong? The government's not being completely truthful with me. Even where they're being truthful, they're incompetent. My balance of my retirement account has been cut in half or worse. I'm going to probably lose my job at some point. I keep hearing little rumblings about, you know, possibly this new flu coming out and killing everybody. I really should do something. I don't know what. And the only community that has the answer to these types of questions is ours. We're the only group of people, and not not my show's audience, this whole modern survival community, everybody from the wilderness survival enthusiast to the to the just the person that's more concerned about economic and political things. And that whole spectrum, we have certain commonalities. We know you don't spend all your money. You don't stay deeply leveraged in debt. You pay your bills as fast as you can, and you get rid of your debt as fast as you can. You need to have plans contingency plans and contingency plans for contingency plans. You need multiple layers of planning in place for if things go wrong and if your plans don't work. You simply have to know if something goes wrong, this is what I'm going to do. This is what will happen when I do that. And if it doesn't work, this is what I'm going to do next. That it makes sense to store a little bit of food. That yes, we can end up in a lawless society where the police can't help you. You know, people say Hurricane Katrina, Hurricane Katrina. Yeah, but what, I mean, is that the only time it's ever happened? How about Hurricane Andrew in Homestead Air Force Base? 1992. 
How about that, folks? Does anybody even remember Andrew and what it did to Homestead? And, and you know what the difference was in Homestead? The media didn't get to blame the government because the people of Homestead, Florida, were a little bit different than the people that stayed in New Orleans, Louisiana, when they were told to leave repeatedly and wait for someone to come help them. Immediately in Homestead, once the storm was done, the citizens moved back in, or the ones that hunkered down, pulled out deer rifles, went up on their roofs and said, no, no looting, not going to happen. And the National Guard said, we'll take over. And they said, great, when you get here, you can take over. Until then, we're securing the place. And the citizens held the fort in Homestead. They did it. What about the L.A. riots? What was that, 93, 94? That's not that long ago. And the police could do nothing. The police were afraid to enforce the law. They had to bring the government troops in to quell the situation. There were police being told, if you shoot somebody of a certain color, we're going to have you shot. There were people out threatening that there would be black officers and white officers turning guns on each other. Never happened. I don't think it was going to happen. But it was being said at fairly high levels. There are so many times when there's been complete and total lawlessness. And every time somebody breaks into your home and you have to dial 911 and wait even three minutes for a cop to show up, you have three minutes of lawlessness. The guy that will break in your house isn't going to go, oh, you called the police, let me run away. He's going to keep doing whatever he's doing until somebody stops him. And people are beginning to wake up to this. And it's like Hollywood... And the mainstream media are on a full court press to prevent an awakening. And every time they run something like this, and they reinforce this freaking stereotype into the heads of the common person, they're eventually going to cause people either suffering and or lives. It's an inevitability. Because there are people who would listen if they weren't constantly told all survivalists are crazy. They're all waiting for the end of the earth. They're waiting for it with expectation. They can't wait for it to come. Most of them are religious fanatical nutjobs. They are, they're all Christian fanatics. All survivalists are Christian fanatics. That's another stereotype. They're all gun nuts. Every single one of them is a gun nut. I got a guy who listens to this show from Canada, doesn't think you should be able to own a gun. Is concerned with survivalism, is concerned with alternative sources of energy, is concerned with growing his own food, is concerned with storing food. Now, I think he's crazy to not have a gun. I think he's absolutely out of his mind nuts to not have a gun. And I think we're getting through to him because I think he's considering figuring out how to do it legally in his country now. Because maybe, maybe reality starting to sit in, but this guy's not a gun nut. He's not a, a, a right-wing extremist constitutionalist because he calls himself a socialist. Survivalism as a concept is not a political ideology. Expecting your government to live by its own law of the land is not a political leaning. For us to say we want the government of the United States to adhere to the Constitution of the United States doesn't make us Democrat, Republican, Libertarian, Constitutionalist, Independent. At least it shouldn't. If one party accuses another party of being polarized because they expect the government to adhere to its Constitution, we got a real problem. And we do have a real problem. We have a lot of real problems out there. So... 
part of why I talk to you guys sometimes and I get really mellow and I calm down and I'm not like I am today. And I say this is how to explain these things to people. is because we are the ones that are shouldered with the burden now of countering this nonsense and this bullshit. We're the ones to say, you know what? There's not, you know what, for somebody that you maybe talked to, that watches this freaking show, that saw this guy, say, you know what, how many other times have you watched a show? Most people, you know, if they've watched last night, they've been watching a while. Because it's not a show that's probably building an audience, because it's in a downward spiral. And they'd say, well, of all the killers, how many of them are survivalists? What other jobs do they have? They had rich people and poor people. And you notice I don't get on here and say they shouldn't be making rich people out to be killers. Or they shouldn't be making poor people out to be killers. Or coffee shop owners or mechanics or whatever. See, the reason the survivalist thing is different is because the entire thing was based on it. That was, that was the entire reason that this guy was a killer. Because he was a survivalist. He was crazy. And in the end, the straight walking, stupid, moronic engineer of a husband ends up being right about the gun. God, I don't want to bring that into our home. It's dangerous for our girls. And the lady even said everything right. No, no, no. We won't leave it laying around loaded. We'll teach our girls to respect it, to stay away from it. We won't put it where they can have access to it. No, 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 no. Not in my house. Typical liberal nonsense. And it makes me think of something somebody posted on the forum. I don't remember who did this. I don't remember if it was real or fictitious or what have you. But supposedly there was a guy in the neighborhood that was completely opposed to anyone owning a gun. He didn't think the Second Amendment should even exist. Even if it does, you should repeal it, get rid of it. No one should own a gun in their home. It's too dangerous. So his neighbor, being like a lifelong NRA somewhat gun nut, puts a a sign in, in, in his own yard, not in the neighbor's yard, in his own yard, that basically says that I am a lifelong member of the NRA. I am armed and I will defend my home with a gun. But my neighbor to my left doesn't believe that anybody should own a gun. As I respect all political views equally, I hereby on my honor promise that if anybody break into his house, I will not use my guns to defend his home. However, I'm notifying you that the rest of this neighborhood would like their homes defended and I would use my gun to defend theirs. Something like that. And you you think this is what people need to think about. You're opposed to a gun, really? So somebody's in your house murdering your family. Should I not use my gun to defend you? Should we wait for the police who are properly trained to use a firearm? You know? You know, and I'm big on the support for law enforcement officers. Are there some crappy cops out there? Yes. There's some crappy cops. There's crappy soldiers. There's lots of crappy politicians. There's crappy nurses. There's crappy doctors. There's crappy lawyers. There's crappy people in every profession. Most of the law enforcement officers I've talked to are good, solid people. They sure as hell ain't paid a lot of money. They work their ass off and they put themselves in danger. And sometimes they come across like a prick. But they come across like a prick because they deal with the lowest forms of humanity on a daily basis. And sometimes a little bit of that rubs off into a situation. You know, where where it just comes through and they really don't mean it. But when it comes right down to it, even the best cop is generally minutes away when seconds count. There's an old saying, I carry a gun because an entire cop would be too heavy. And there's just times when they can't be there while you're in danger. And 
bartenders that needed to be able to defend yourself. And they're not going to bring you food when your refrigerator runs empty and your pantry runs empty and you're under quarantine. The government's not going to save, send us all help. Not because they're evil, not because they want to exterminate us. Be, you know, none of this conspiracy nonsense. You've got to leave that crap out of this. It's fun to dabble in conspiracy theory, look at it, evaluate it, you know, give it a litmus test, dig, dig into it, see if there's any validity behind any of them. That's fine, but when you're talking to people, you can't talk about this nonsense. Because it's unknown, it's a theoretical, it's a maybe, it's a hypothesis. But I do know, I do know, that there could be a major disruption to our food supply for a variety of reasons. And I do know if that occurs, that our government logistically does not have the ability to feed everybody. They couldn't take care of the, you know, quarter million people left in Louisiana after the storm. Couldn't take care of a quarter million people in one location waiting for help. How the hell are they going to take care of 300 million? Not out of malice. Not even incompetence in this point. Who the hell could? Who the hell could feed 300 million people in the middle of a disaster? It's not possible unless every one of them does a little bit for themselves to get through that catastrophe so that the pieces can be put back together. The biggest way to prevent lawlessness and riots are for people to be armed and willing to defend their property and well stocked up and able to take care of themselves for at least a few weeks without having to go to the store. If you have that in place, there won't be much lawlessness. Because as soon as the rioting starts, somebody will put a bullet in somebody and quell them down. And there'll be less people looking to riot because they'll have full bellies. They'll have what they need to survive. It'll be easier for law enforcement to enforce a lockdown. Because people won't, because if it's between surviving or obeying an order to not leave, I'm going to survive. And most people would do the same thing. I would prefer as long as it's a benevolent request, i.e. there is a flu pandemic going on right now. Stay in your homes. Do not come out. Do not expose yourself. We're locking down the area in quarantine. We need to treat the infected. We need to look to the disease. I want to comply with that. I absolutely want to comply with that. Now, if I run out of food, I can't comply with it. And that's where all the lawlessness comes from. Sure, there's the, there's the 2%, 3% of society that are complete vermin. They're out there. The despicable dregs of humanity that would use the disarray as an excuse to riot. But between armed private citizens willing to defend what is theirs and law enforcement, and if necessary, something like the National Guard, those people are easy to contain if the average person isn't running around in a panic. So these are the things that we need to be discussing with people, because if we don't, you're going to have a lot more problems when something goes wrong. How many people in your neighborhood, if you don't live out in the sticks yet, if you live in a neighborhood somewhere, how many people there would be completely screwed within seven days of being cut off? How many within 14 and how many within 21? It's time that we start enlightening people to reality. That to live the way our grandparents did doesn't really make us survivalists. It makes us human beings grounded in common sense, reality, and realism. That there are threats to our survival that we endure every day. That largely don't touch us because we have good infrastructure in place. Because as incompetent as our government is, they do keep a lid on things to a degree. 
Because as evil as men are purported to be, the majority have goodness in them. And they don't want to hurt anybody, and they don't want to steal from anybody. If you know, if it was just law enforcement, if it was just fear of going to jail, there'd be a hell of a lot more crime out there than there is right now. The biggest thing that keeps crime in check is that most people are criminals. But you know what the difference between an honest man and a criminal is? His moral compass. And a moral compass that says, this is wrong, I won't do it. And the minute, the minute you put him into a situation where his moral compass puts a new decision in front of him. Okay, breaking in this house and stealing what these people have is wrong. I'm not going to do it. They have food and my children are starving to death. Now my moral compass points to a different direction. Not because I'm a bad guy, but because... I will feed my children no matter what it takes. That's where the breakdown, that's where the spiral would begin in society. And the way to prevent it is during times of plenty to act like an ant instead of a grasshopper. Because that's what it really all comes down to. The whole place, the whole United States, the majority of people are still grasshoppers today. Even in the middle of a major economic depression. I wouldn't even call this a recession. This is a depression. This is an economic depression. And even in the middle of this, most people, I'm looking around at them, I see them. I see them in cars around me right now. They're grasshoppers. They're fiddling. They're dancing. The sun is shining on their back. It'll get better. Times will get better. There's a new day coming. Next year will be better than this year. Let's play the fiddle and dance. But more and more people are starting to become ants. They go to the store. They buy their food for the week. And they buy one or two extra days. They put it away like an ant. They're starting to grow their own food. They're getting their gardens in shape. They're ready to defend the nest. Right? Ants don't just gather food and store it away. You want to see... How ants respond to an intruder? Go find a great big fire ant nest, stick your hand in it, and start messing around. You'll get attacked relentlessly, and you won't keep doing it. I promise you. Please don't do that, and then tell me it hurts. Alright? You get my point. Ants defend their home. They store food, and they make sure that they take care of each other. That's why the story of the grasshopper and the ant became the entire crux of the survival podcast. Because that's what our community needs to do. We need to prepare for winter and store the things that we need because there won't always be a summer time of plenty. We need to take care of each other and we need to defend each other and we need to defend our way of life and our views to society who has been lied to about who we are and what we are. Survivalists aren't a bunch of people running out to the middle of the western states, living in a trailer with a compound, daring the federal government to try to enforce its will upon them. That's not survivalism, that's stupidity. That's suicide. And the people that have done that have been painted as being us. They are not us and we are not them. By and large, survivalists are people that simply wish the government would leave us alone but we're not antisocial. By and large, survivalists are people that store what they need for when things run out. But we're not egocentric freaks that think we know something that nobody else does. We actually believe the things that we know everybody else knows. They just won't accept them. 
We don't believe that people are blind and ignorant. They're ostriches with their heads buried in the sand. Because it's not fun to think about the fact that if we had a major flu pandemic, it could kill millions of people. That's not fun. That's not a lighthearted subject. That's not a positive message. But the positive message, the positive aspect of survivalism, is no matter what happens, no matter what goes wrong, that in the end, you have the greatest control over your own destiny and the destiny of the people around you that you care about and love. That's where we're coming from. A group of ants to take care of each other. So my challenge is always, tell other people talk to other people. Tell them about my show. Tell them about the other resources that are out there, the other forums. Explain to them simply everything is not always okay. And the disasters that you see on TV they seem like they are a thousand miles away that are today could be in your backyard tomorrow. There's always something that can go wrong. Our hope is that nothing goes wrong. But should it go wrong, we're prepared and we know what to do. And my question is, do you? What would you do? Just like I told the story a few episodes ago about the guy I met at a friend's birthday party. Who asked me about my show and he was really interested in the technology behind it. How it worked, how the business model worked, things like that. But then he started to ask me about the subject matter. And I simply said, you know, there's this pandemic flu possibility. The government's been talking about it. CDC has resources. Government has resources. Pandemicflu.gov site that talks about how to plan for it and all. And basically what they're saying is if there's a great big pandemic, if it really raged, if it really went crazy, the only thing they could do is lock people down. Because the only way to prevent the spread of disease is to prevent interaction between people. So no work, no school, no church, no grocery store. Stay home until we get a lid on this thing, start to vaccinate people, etc. And that could take anywhere from a month to four months to six months or longer. But the hardcore part of the you know lockdown, most likely if they got their hands around it early before it, 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 it went too crazy, you know, is a month or two. And, and all we're saying is be able to make it a month or two without leaving your home, without starving, without running out of food. You know, doesn't that make sense, being that our own government is telling us this could happen? They said, yeah, it makes sense. And I said, so, you know, two months at your house? I said, yeah, not going to happen. We're not ready. Okay, you know, I didn't say, see, you're stupid. You're an idiot. Look at you. You're going to, you know, she said, okay, let him process that information for himself. Because that's how you awaken people. You don't tell them what they need to do. You point out the reality of what's around them, and then you let them sort out for themselves that they need to do something. They'll begin to ask questions, and the questions will lead them to the same place that we've all gotten to. Because it's the only logical place for the questions to lead you. Gee, if something went wrong, what would I do? If we ran out of food, how would I feed myself? How do I make sure that I don't become completely broke if the stock market melts down to zero? If you start asking questions like that, how do I ensure some of my retirement? How do I ensure some of my investment? How do I ensure just some of my cash? If the, if the worst happened and a nuclear bomb went off in my city, how the hell do I get out? If you start asking those questions, and what people do today is use the internet, and you start asking those questions through Google, you're going to end up right smack in the middle of one of our communities. And hopefully you'll be greeted with open arms and welcome. And I think that most of the communities I've been to, talked on the discussion boards with, are very, very open, very, very welcoming. And I think that new people that start to investigate these things are totally shocked 
by the reality versus the myth. So go out there and try to exude a great reality rather than stereotypical myth. Understand the media is going to continue to say nonsensical, bullshit things about you and me. And paint us all to be a bunch of right-wing, nutjob, wacko, extremist, religious, white supremacists that are ready to go down in flames. That it's not true and there's nothing we can do about it other than educate, inform, and enlighten. This has been Jack Spearco with another episode of the Survival Podcast, helping you figure out how to live a better life if times get tough, or even if they don't. And you can holler, it really doesn't matter, cause it all gets spent.